Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. In this episode, Angela Enchenton Burkhard, a senior HR leader for Kyocera International, discusses the resilience of HR professionals and how they can improve their resilience at work. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Angela Enginton Burkhardt is a senior HR leader for Kyocera International, the Fortune 1000 technology company. She has 23 years of experience in various HR and operations roles. She's a public speaker and trainer on a variety of HR and leadership topics. Angela, HR professionals are really, really stretched thin as they deal with you know, COVID issues in the workplace, layoffs, and other organizational and societal problems. Do you think their overall skill set has changed? Yes, I mean, absolutely. We need to juggle more tasks in the same amount of time. And our communication challenges have only increased with widespread remote work. For those who are involved in employee-facing operations, we have sort of dropped everything to manage COVID. It has been live time. We have become temperature checkers and ad hoc nurses, legal experts on unprecedented case law. We're dealing with time off and management of leave and health and safety testing programs. Honestly, I think that those who will rise to the occasion need to have more focus on resilience than on control. And in the past, we had to be really prepared and compliant, and we build checklists and best practices and manuals to survive. But Maria, in this last year, everything has inherently changed in terms of the skills that we need. You mentioned resilience, Angela. It's part of what we call in organizational behavior, positive psychological capital, which is the, the positive and developmental state of a person as characterized by high self-efficacy, optimism, hope, and resiliency. So how would you define resilience in the context of human resource work? I guess I would describe resilience as the bounce back. It is being able to become strong again and healthy and successful after something bad happens that shakes our world. It's sort of like putty, um, being able to return to the original state after we've been pulled and stretched and pressed and bent. And our employees are facing so much change. In some cases, it's actual real trauma. It's the spouse losing their job or even a health scare themselves. But in all of this, in this shared reality over a year, we have been stretched and pulled more and maybe more importantly, longer than we've ever experienced. So HR pros need to find a way to be more resilient first so that we can then model it to our leaders and the other people in our organization. I really believe that we can provide some of that hope and that confidence if we can remain resilient ourselves. 
easier said than done, I suspect. What can HR professionals actually do to improve their resilience at work? You know, for me, it starts with language. We see memes every single day, and they're largely about how awful 2020 was, and us poor, long-suffering human resources folks, and every single one of them is negative. But to bounce back, you need to get out of your own mood, particularly if it's bad, because the self-talk is powerful. I mean, we HR people are master coaches after all, right? We should, we should listen to us. And in most organizations, people do. HR touches a lot of employees directly, whether that's face-to-face or in Teams or in email. It can get really easy to just keep referencing the terrible times. It's actually kind of our common language now. But what if in those same interactions, we infuse some hope? I'm not saying be delusional, but saying stay well instead of lamenting about how bad you're dealing with the stress. Even that little change is a start. Saying that you're hopeful that we can get back to a more comfortable or a more creative work setting soon kind of leans into hope and away from shared despair. Optimism is sort of a survival skill right now. And I think we need to infuse that hope as part of our job. Most definitely. Any specific tips you can give, Angela, in order to achieve that? I think the best place to start is to be authentic. This is the second biggest tool that I can suggest. It is, quite frankly, exhausting to be inauthentic. And right now, we need to muster all of the energy that we can get. So make this change in language yours. Don't ghostwrite like Pollyanna if you don't communicate that message well. I think you need to be really clear in this time with what your personal brand is. Are you a person who's direct? I mean, then don't send a flowery message out that doesn't address the real concern. For me, my brand includes competent. (laughs) I gotta tell you, yikes, Marie, I, I don't feel competent as it relates to daily COVID legislation changes and, you know, new case law. But my leadership needs me to hold that brand together. No excuses, no defensiveness. They want the same old leader who will research and report back. The look of competent has changed from being this HR subject matter expert to being a really flexible researcher. Another thing is, You need to be the same person in good times and bad. Whether you're doing that new hire welcome lunch or when you're giving the final warning. Our worlds and our jobs are changing dramatically right now. And those who are resilient can survive. 
But this kind of self-awareness allows you to understand who you are and how you want to be seen. You know, honestly, I know many female human resources pros who fought really hard to get a seat at the table. And now they are there and the table is on fire. And everyone else at the table is looking to you to solve this table issue. It's not the time to crawl under the table, to throw your hands up in frustration or tears or to run. But it's also not realistic to suppress all of our emotions either. We are not machines. Coping with change-related stress doesn't mean acting like it's not there. And now is the time that an emotionally resilient person can immediately help the room. After all, we HR types, we can breach fire. We have handled emotional, unplanned, tense situations our entire careers without even a race in our pulse. This is our time, you guys. In a tense situation, you want one of us, sort of half hostage negotiator and half Super Bowl coach. And that bounce back that we're talking about in that room starts with calmly getting some consensus. How can they bounce back to solutions? You know, it's not always easy when it's an emotionally charged conversation. But my advice is to take a real breath. You know, Americans don't breathe deeply enough anyway. But I mean, let out that breath in a way that you can feel it leaving your chest. And then find the minimum amount of agreement that you can find in the room. If you need a moment to frame that, take it. I think we all agree that we want blank. I think we can all agree that we want employees to feel safe at work. Once we have that minimum agreement, you can then work backwards to bring in some alternatives. Mistakes get made. We don't have all the answers, but keeping that brand of an HR person who is creative and open-minded and solution-based, strategic, will help you be seen in the way that you want to be. These are all future-toned. It goes back, though, to figuring out what your brand is. You can take three words, scribble them down on a piece of paper, stick them in your desk, use them to remind yourself. But working on your personal brand is your job. You are enforcing that personal brand or tearing it down in every single thing you do at work. These are the things that distinguish you from other people and they remind you what your own core values are. So know what you do and what you do not want to message to the people around you. And then be consistent. After all, you have probably taken years to build up this image of a cool strategic partner. I understand how that model 
applies at work. But many HR professionals are also parents, they're caregivers, and just on the edge of burnout themselves sometimes. So any advice you can give to building resilience? I've been thinking about that a lot. And there are a lot of authors that teach about resilience. And quite honestly, they don't all agree. But one common theme is self-awareness and relationships. So psychologists actually believe that there is a strong connection between empathy and resilience. And basically, if we can be more compassionate to other humans, then we will also be kinder to ourselves. But the usual prescription of go join a group, go to the gym with a friend or volunteer, visit your parents, they don't seem very possible right now with COVID. So the advice is changing some. Many people think that resilience is this big, giant, proactive step that you take forward and everyone can see it. But in reality, it's lots of small steps. And you take those to keep yourself balanced where you are and to not fall. So if I were to give you my mini list, this is what it would include. Be really careful what you feed your brain before you go to bed. Avoid negative outlets. That might not be the best time to read your enemy's Facebook. I probably just aged myself there. Or to start an online argument. And if you were worried about COVID data in your area, you still got to do your research. But stop two hours before you lay down to rest. You see, sleep has this incredible power. And it will reset your control tools. So you will cope better and you will strategize better if you let your brain actually rest. I would suggest that HR people should treat rest like a performance review. It must be done. You know you need to do it. Skipping parts of that process now will only make things worse in the future. Another area is energy reserve. So we know that negative stress will burn up your energy and your motivation. And the reality is we can only do so much. If you have no time to go out and take a walk or to meditate, take three deep breaths. I mean, there's no excuse, right? Like we all have time for three breaths. It is this magical reset button on your brain. That three seconds can stop a fight. It can boost our empathy. It allows us to regain that much needed composure. It's sort of a form of grace to yourself. We don't have a gauge for energy. We just know when we are on empty. So one last tip, get it out. Get those anxieties and feelings out on paper and seriously put your keen HR documentation skills to task in a journal. Buy an amazing pen. 
and hide that thing, hide it like a middle schooler with a crush so that nobody sees it but you. And I get it. This process is going to start out like a chore. It is like a one-on-one with yourself, but it's an outlet. And I mean, it is a really safe dumping ground where you get to heal yourself and work through those problems, write down your fears, be completely vulnerable. And it's amazing because somehow you always will end up redirecting your thoughts. And when you write them down, it's mentally easier to let them go. I know, HR people, we kind of like control. And when I introduce this idea, sometimes they ask me, Angela, what exactly do I write down in that journal? (laughs) It's funny because I always say anything. Fill that page. Write words that you like today. Write words you never want to use again. Write down your fears. Write swear words, resentments, whatever is causing you hurt. Because our journal is the key to our mental health safety. When life feels crazy, as it often does in our profession, this gives us the space to refocus and de-stress. You will actually understand yourself and your self-talk so much better. I once had a terrible boss. I mean, this guy hated employees and we just did not align. And at lunchtime, I would go out to my car and I would write down notes about what he had said about this person or how aghast I was at something he had done. I didn't have a lot of money at that point. And I'd be like eating guilty Taco Bell and writing these angry notes. But you know what? He retired and I moved up. And one day I found this worn out cheese stained notebook and I am so glad that I processed that stuff instead of quitting or running or leaving because my feelings were valid and writing them down bought me some time and some space and resilience and that created the change that I wanted. Angela, are there any authors or books that you could recommend for those who want to build on uh, resilience? I am a huge fan of Angela Duckworth and her early studies on grit. They really focused me on my brand and also how to kind of foster that grit in other people. Also, Andrew Zoli and Simon Sinek, they do a lot with optimism and the idea that you can build emotional strength, kind of like you're using a dumbbell or a weight machine for our other muscles. And of course, Brene Brown, she has some really good new material on vulnerability and how it can impact work culture uh, when we focus on, on, you know, really trusting and consistently showing up. I mean, those are really some of my favorites right now. Thank you, Angela, for sharing your insights on how HR professionals can build resilience while acknowledging that they too are human beings and that they have needs to be met. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.